I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Thank you that he came, he lived, he died, he's risen again. And now he's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding for each one of us. And so as I step back, I thank you for the spirit of God stepping up to minister life and encouragement to your people. And I pray in Jesus' name that every heart is in position to hear and every mind will be fed faith. In Jesus' name, let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I believe one of the biggest challenges that most believers face in their everyday lives is maintaining a perspective of faith. Everybody say maintaining a perspective of faith. So many times we're bombarded with trials and fears and things and challenges that we forget that it is our faith, the Bible tells us, that will pull us through to victory. And so as I was, you know, checking myself this week of what I feel Uh, I wanted to share or what God wanted me to share. And this just came to me that uh, many believers were walking through life, but were not not walking through life by faith. So if you're taking notes, my, my message title is having a faith perspective, having a faith perspective. I want you to find two verses of scripture, second Kings. Chapter 6, we're going to look in verse 8. And then we're going to go over to the famous Hebrews 11. We're going to look in verse 1. That was 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1. Now, I'm going to jump right into this morning's lesson. I'm going to start out in 2 Kings chapter 6. Now, I'm going to read this story. I tried to keep it in context without having to read too much. And then I'll just do some commentary in the middle. It says, then the king of Syria warred against Israel. In other words, there was a a fight going on. And took counsel with his servants saying, in such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God, say the man of God. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel saying, beware that you don't pass by such a place. For there the Syrians are come down. Now I want you to notice what happened. The king of Syria was, was set up, setting up camp to fight against Israel. He figured out where he wanted to set up. And where he set up, the man of God went and told the king of Israel, don't go over there. So now let's see what happened. 
And the king of Israel sent to the place which the men of God told him and warned him of and saved himself there, not once, nor twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was sore troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will you show me which of us is for the king of Israel? In other words, he's trying to figure out how somebody is telling the king of Israel what to do about the plans that he's discussed in his army. And one of his servants said, None of us, Lord, O king. But Elijah, the prophet that is in Israel, he's the one that's telling the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedchamber. Wow, what a powerful man of God, huh? And he said, go and spy where it is that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him saying, behold, he's in Dothan, not Dothan, Alabama, where Pastor Polo's from. Verse 14, therefore, he sent their horses and chariots and a great host and they came by night and compassed the city. So what he decided to do, the king of Syria decided Okay, instead of trying to capture the king of Israel, I'm going after the man of God, Elijah. And so in verse 15, when the servant of the man of God had risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said, alas, my master, what shall we do? Verse 16, I want you to see the focus. He answered, fear not, because that's what stops most people's faith, fear. He said, fear not, for watch this now. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Everybody say that's a faith perspective. Because a faith perspective, it sees the promise over the problem. Look at verse 17. And Elijah prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, watch what he saw now. The mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elijah. Now, there are two things that I want you to see about this particular context of scripture before we jump into our lesson. Number one is that the servant was already seeing something. So for Elijah to pray for God to open his eyes said, watch this now, that there is another level of seeing that requires faith. That tells me that we are looking most of the time, but what we are looking at is not what we're supposed to be seeing. Here's number two. What the servant saw the second time, watch this now, was already there the first time. In other words, when Elijah came to the servant and said, God opened his eyes. Elijah did not pray, God sent some angels. You know why? Because the angels were already there. So sometimes when we're walking in life, we don't realize that God's provision has already been set up. Amen. That means God has already done it. His part is already done. It is up to us to see it. And that's what a faith perspective is. So I have three points for you this morning. Here's the first point if you want to write it down. And that is faith sees. Faith sees. Now, I need you to get what I'm talking about today because this can change your life. Because most people walk by sight and not by faith. 
So this lesson this morning is going to help ground you on how to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, let's go back. Let's look in Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1. Because it defines for us what it means to have a faith perspective. Now, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to read this verse out of the New International Reader's Version. I call it the Nerve Version. All right? And the Nerve Version says... Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And it is being certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure. Everybody say being sure. See, faith is being sure. Faith is like sitting at the bus stop. And even though you don't see the bus, you know the bus is coming. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And here's the second thing about faith. It is being certain of what we do not see. So faith involves two things. It involves hope. And it involves, watch this now, a different set of eyes. Now most people's hope is in what they want instead of what God has said. In other words, what most people are hoping for is they're hoping for a job or they're hoping for healing or they're hoping for, you know, their boss to quit. They're hoping for, you know, the the husband to to leave or come back, whichever way. (laughs) Most people hope for what they want. Watch this now. Instead of what God has said. But biblical hope, say biblical hope. Biblical hope is connected, watch this now, to God's word. Biblical hope is not connected to what you want. Okay, Psalm 119.81, write it down. It says, my soul faints for your salvation, but my hope is in your word. Psalm 119.114 says this, you are my hiding place and you are my shield. I hope in your what? Word. Psalm 130 verse 5 says this. I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. Watch this now. And say and. And in his word do I hope. Amen. So my hope is not for just a new job, but it's in God's promise for me to have a new job. He promised that he would supply how much of my need? All of my need according to his riches and glory. See, if you focus and your hope is connected to the promise, then guess what? If you're qualified, doesn't matter. Amen. My hope is not in just getting a raise, but my hope is in his word that says he supplies seed to the soil. And that because, watch this, because I'm a giver, men have to give to me. See, my raise now is not dependent on the mood of my boss. My raise is not dependent on how well the company is doing. My raise is dependent on his word. Amen. My hope is not just in my situation changing, but it's in his word that says he's going to work all things together for my good. And if God is for me, who can be against me? You better let me alone. So let me give you a new faith perspective. Here it is. Faith, watch this, is being able to see what God sees so we can have what God has promised. I'm going to say it again. Faith, remember now, we read the verse. I'm going to read the verse again to you. 
Faith is being sure of what we hope for. And it is being certain of what we do not see. Okay. So now let me read this faith perspective again. Faith is being able to see what God sees so we can have what God has promised. So being able to see what God sees, watch this now, being able to see what he sees, if we don't take action or required steps to move in that direction means that our faith is dead. See, a lot of people, they're hoping for something. They're believing in something, but their spiritual feet are stuck in cement. So if you and I are going to walk in faith, then we have to take the required steps. John 2.20 says it. But will you know, O vain man, that faith without what? Works is dead. That word dead means without life and destitute of power. He's saying, do you know, O O vain man, That faith, which means being able to see what God sees so we can have what God has promised without works or effort is dead and without power and destitute of life. So here's what most most people, this is where their faith breaks down and stops. Because remember, faith is being sure of what we hope for. It is being certain of that we don't see. So watch this now. That means faith requires hope and faith requires sight. So here's the problem. When you see wrong, you believe wrong. Everybody say, when you see wrong, you believe wrong. You know, I know somebody, uh, and uh, I love this individual, and uh, uh, something happened in their home where uh, a, a couple that he invited to his home started arguing, and then they, you know, the man started jumping on the on the lady, and so... You know, uh, he was trying to break it up and, and ended up running outside. And, and uh, the man that was fighting the lady ran outside and then he ran back inside. And, and, and uh, this particular person ran in, you know, to make sure he wasn't going to jump back on the lady. And he knew the man had a gun in the house, you know. And so uh, when the man, when the guy turned around, the person I know thought that they had a gun in their hand. And so he shot the guy. And the guy had like a flashlight or something in his hand. Everybody say he believed wrong. So he reacted wrong. See, right now he's having to deal with the criminal justice system. Now, his heart was good. But watch this. What his his actions were based on a false belief. And many, many believers, you know, that's why people say, well, my heart is right. God knows my heart. Well, your heart might be good, but your actions are wrong. Amen. When you see wrong, you may want to write this down. When you see wrong, you believe wrong. When you believe wrong, you speak wrong. When you speak wrong, your manifestation becomes wrong. So. Just look at what your life is manifesting. Just see what you got coming. Because what you got coming, you called in. Okay, 2 Corinthians 4.13 says this. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore we speak. In other words, your believing affects your speech. So you can tell me you believe all day. I want to hear what you're saying. 
Which now brings me to my second point. My first point was that faith sees. Here's my second point. Faith says. You cannot say you are in faith if your mouth is closed. You see. Lord, please help me communicate this morning. Faith is intentional. It's not by happenstance. Faith just doesn't happen. It's intentional. You didn't just, you know, just by luck receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You made a decision to do that. You didn't just by happenstance, maybe you drove by and saw the sign and showed up this morning. But the most of you, you came to church intentional. Amen. When you got up this morning and hopefully, you know, got yourself ready, you put some clothes on. That was intentional. Faith is intentional. Look at your neighbor and say, faith is intentional. So my second point is that faith says, now I'm going to read out of the nerve version again, the New International Reader's Version. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 4.13 out of that. It says, it is written, I believed and so have I spoken with the same spirit of faith. We also believe and we also speak. I love that because the first time that that was actually mentioned is in Psalm 116 verse 9. It says this, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed, therefore have I spoken. So you can tell me what you believe all day. But if your mouth is not backing up what you're telling me, you don't believe that. Well, look, Pastor Evan, I, I just believe God's going to give me a raise. And you say that here at church. And then when you get, to, you get home and you get to work, everything but that is coming out. And see, when your hope is not connected to the word, it has to be connected somewhere. So then your hope becomes connected to somebody's promise that may not come to pass or not. See, people are like the weather. They're fickle. So the, the, the job told you one thing. You put your hope in that. No, no. Don't put your hope in the job. Put your hope in God. Amen. Because, see, God's not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm not going to put my faith in a human being. I'm going to put my faith in the living God because it is, it's his power that comes to pass in my life. Now, I'm going to read the nerve version in Romans 4, 17. It says this. It is written, I have made you a father of many nations. God considers Abraham to be our father. The God that Abraham believed in. Watch this. Gives life to the dead. I love this part. Abraham's God. Everybody say Abraham's God. Abraham's God also speaks of things that do not exist as if they do exist. See, that's faith perspective. Faith perspective speaks things that do not exist as if they exist. Why? Because faith is released when we speak. Having a faith perspective is just making sure your mind is right. Because, see, circumstances are designed to mess with your mind. But the best way to keep your mind straight is to keep your mouth straight. I have to interrupt my thinking a whole lot. See, you don't understand. This principle works. Everybody say this principle works. Now, there are three ways to use your words. You can write this down. Three ways you can use your words. You can speak about things. See, that's just describing what's going on in your life. 
Some of you all are so colorful in your description of your life. Girl, my kid's bad. My husband acting up. Man, they giving me too many hours at work. You just describing. You're speaking about it. Here's the second thing. A lot of us speak against what's going on. In other words, you're not saying what God's saying. You're saying the opposite. Girl, I'm going to go broke. You just watch. <laughs> My mama here this morning, she used to say this when we, we was growing up. Y'all going to send me to the crazy house. <laughs> but praise the Lord, she didn't make it. <laughs> you can speak against. Or watch this. You can speak at. Jesus said, you speak to what? The mountain and tell it to be removed. Now, here's a sad thing. Here's a sad thing about what I'm teaching. If you've been at this church at least three years, you know this. You know this. But watch this. The difference between knowing and doing is doing. Boy, that's revelation, ain't it? The difference between knowing and doing is doing. Now, I want to demonstrate how powerful our words are. So, there's something I want you all as a congregation to do for me. And once you know what it is, I want you to participate and do it. Okay, y'all ready? Okay. Did y'all get that? Did y'all get what it was? Anybody got what it was? You know why you didn't get what it was? Because I didn't make my request. You didn't hear what I said said because I never said it. So my question is, how does God and the world around you need to know what you need done if you're not opening up your mouth to tell it? Now, see, I was thinking in my mind, I want them to say amen. Can you just say amen right now? Now, see, listen, now you did something because it was connected to my words. It was connected to my desire. So if you have a desire, you should have some words. Amen. I know you're sitting around saying, well, I, I, the Lord knows my heart. Well, you better speak your heart up then. Now, let me give you a good example of knowing versus doing. I was talking to Pastor Che on the phone earlier this, this week, and, and we came up with this, this solution. Uh, you know, how many have had something going on in your body, and you prayed about it, but it kept, you know, acting up, so you had to go to the doctor? Anybody had to go to the doctor? All right. Now, you call the doctor, you schedule an appointment. You use your words to do that, right? Then, hopefully, you showed up, and the doctor could not just by osmosis determine what was wrong with you. What did you have to do? You had to tell him what the symptoms. Hey, you know, I'm had, you know, for some reason I just bust out and sweat, you know, and, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't know why. And, and, uh, well, how often do you do that? Well, just several times a day. And, and so while you're doing that, the doctor diagnoses you. And then once he figures out or she figures out what's going on, and if there's just need for a simple solution, they write you a prescription. Now, if you are smart and want to get well, what do you do? You go fill the prescription from CVS, Walgreens, Walmart, wherever, right? You don't want to get well if the prescription stays in your pocket or your purse and you just drive around with it, hoping and wishing that what the doctor gave you will work. You haven't worked the system yet. 
Then after the prescription is taken and filled, that's not the end. And that's where most Christians stop. We pray, we ask God to help us, and then we move on with our life, but you haven't taken the prescription. How many want know medicine don't work until you take it? Medicine doesn't work until you take it. And see, many of us, y'all know what I'm telling y'all, but y'all not doing it. See, let me tell you something that just happened to me recently. Uh, Probably, I don't know if it was the beginning of this year or the latter part of last year. I think it was last year. You know, the Lord will give me things to believe for. And uh, one of the things that he gives me uh, to believe for is the budget for our church. Okay? And I've learned I I do the same thing. I've been doing it for 11 years now. And it it ain't failed me yet. So I might as well do it, right? I mean, don't you want to do something that works? Yeah, so since day one when I learned this principle, I've been doing it all until now. So I've been confessing this particular number for probably right at a year. Now, see, some of us going, well, that takes too long. Well, how bad do you want it? Because, see, some of y'all say, well, I, I, I confess God for a husband. Well, well how many times you say it? Well, I, I just said it about one time. The only person that I know can say something one time and get it is God. He said, let there be light, and what happened? There was light. Now, the only time you can say something one time and it happens is when you threaten your kids. That's it. And even then, sometimes you may not get it. I was confessing this number, confessing this number, confessing this number, and I even told Lisa Fuller the number. I said, Lisa Fuller, I'm confessing this number. I'm confessing this number. And uh, confessing, confessing, confessing. And so, you know, uh, in confessing, all of a sudden, and it was a big number too. It was a big number. Because see, in my mind, my mind said, well, I've done this before. Because years ago, uh, God gave me a number and he told me to say it. And I didn't say it because it was so far along where we were, where we were as a church. I was like, I'm not saying that. So I didn't say it. And about, I don't know, eight months went by and the number happened on a regular Sunday. And he said, see, you should have been saying it by now because it could be consistently happening. I just wanted you to see that it's in the house. I said, so I learned from that one. I said, okay, I ain't doing that no more. So I just started confessing that number. And this past Monday, when I got a call about the numbers for our church, that exact number was on my voicemail. You can't tell me confess, confessing doesn't work. So just look at your neighbor. Just look at him and say, I'm going to start talking from now. So here's now point number three as we close. Here's point number three. We talk about faith sees, faith says. Here's the next one. Faith stands. In Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 13. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many know we live in an evil day? Yes, we do. And then he says, And having done all to stand, watch verse 14, stand. Having done all to stand, stand. And he tells us how. He says, You need to have your loins. Gird about with truth. Listen, you need to have your heart full of truth. Because, see, the enemy's job 
is to try to seep the truth out of you. The best way to keep truth inside, watch this now, is to keep a confession on the outside. See, this is what happened to us as a church. You, you all remember Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 10. We've been standing on this verse, and I've been standing on this verse probably for six years or something, maybe seven. It says, moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel. And I will plant them. And I use that as Word of Truth Family Church. He will appoint a place for Word of Truth Family Church. He will plant us that we may dwell in a place of our own and move what? No more. When I read that verse, I said, boy, that's our verse right there. Because see, the Lord didn't want us to buy a building and fix it up. I didn't understand why. He wanted us, he wanted to appoint a place and then plant us so we wouldn't have to set up and break down no more. Well, the devil came to me all kinds of times. Well, it ain't going to never happen. Oh, it ain't going to never happen. You need to buy that building. You need to buy that building. You need to go buy that. You need to buy this. You need to do this. You need to do that. Every time I would shut him up with 2 Samuel 17. And that's how you shut your mind and the devil up. By opening up your mouth and confessing what God has said. And it might have took long. But listen. Do you know that God announced his son Jesus to come on the scene way back in the book of Genesis? Do you know it took 2,000 years between Genesis and when Jesus showed up for Jesus to show up? So if God has enough patience to wait 2,000 years, I should have enough patience to wait 20 months. And here we go. This uh, This past Friday. No, no. Last, this past Monday, we received our permit to start. Yes. And construction will begin before the end of the year. Having done all to stand, you got to stand. Stop being a crybaby. Stop doubting God. I don't know if God's going to come through. He's come through before. What's keeping him from coming through again? Because some of you all are crying right now. You're a big crybaby. You're calling it prayer. It ain't prayer. It's crying. And it's okay to cry out before the Lord. But listen, when you get up, you, got some, you have to put some feet on your prayer. Faith without works is... It's dead. And so I'm trying to get some of you off. If you own a business, why not confess what you want that business to do every week? Why don't you do that? You're just sitting around letting your life happen, letting your business happen. No, 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 no. You don't just let it happen. You make it happen. Death and life is in the power of your tongue. So why don't you just say, Father, I thank you that my business is here to glorify you. I use the resources from my business to bless my employees and to bless the kingdom of God and my family. And so, Lord, I thank you that $11,000 a day comes into my business in Jesus' name. You say, Pastor Evan, I don't have a business. Yeah, you got a business. It's called You Incorporated. Why don't you get up every morning instead of complaining about the check you get why don't you begin to confess what you want your check to be lord i thank you that my check always involves five figures 
I thank you that I'm believing you, God, for $10,000 a month in Jesus' name. $10,000 a week in Jesus' name. $10,000 every two weeks, according to your faith. But see, the devil telling some of y'all, it don't work. No, 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 it, it works. Listen, it works. That's how you got here. I know you just, oh, I saw the billboard one day and we just decided to visit. No, I called you here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. See, you, you're looking at Mr. and Mrs. Word of Truth. Just look at your neighbor and say, you sure look good for Mr. and Mrs. Word of Truth. Go on, tell them. Yeah, you look good. I called you here. You know why? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Bible says God calls those things that do not exist as if they do exist. What do you see? Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Every head bowed and every eye closed. What is the Spirit of God saying to you? What is He saying? Holy Spirit, as I was speaking, I pray you were speaking. So that every person in this building, I'm talking to a senior right now. Your confession is you are on a fixed income. Who fixed it? You have. I'm talking to a parent who's having consistent problems with your kids. And it's because that's what you say. Why don't your confession be children are our heritage and blessings from the Lord? That I'm training my children in the way that they should go. And whenever they get old, they will never depart from, from what I teach them. Why, why can't that be your confession? Hallelujah. Father, I pray today that the word has been sown on good ground. when those who are here today and even those who are listening via podcast and via video when they see this when they hear this it will stimulate their heart towards faith thank you for signs miracles and wonders following your word in Jesus name whatever head still bowed if you're here today here's my one question